Awesome. Give it up for JC over there. Hey, he's doing a good job. I also give it up for my, my dog over here, Jordan, uh, for leading us in offering, man. I love that. Great job, man. And uh, hey, well, uh, good morning. Happy 4th of July-ish, sort of. We're past that now, right? Everybody have a good time? Some good fireworks? Who bought, like, some big-time fireworks? Like, not the cheap. Okay, we got one. Anybody else? No, nobody wants to admit it. You know, they paid, like... No, I, was, I bought these like little rinky-dink, you know, sparklers uh, for for Isabella, my two-year-old. I'm like, yay! Fizzle, fizzle, fizzle. Good job, baby. Don't burn yourself, okay? Just don't do it. So I, it, was, it was good. I'm glad. I'm glad you guys had a good Fourth of July, and um, and uh, I'm glad that we get to be able to be here. And Pastor Mark, I uh, get to fill in for him. He's a uh, have a little reprieve. Actually, I'm not even sure if he's, if he's here this morning or not, but um, just kind of give him an opportunity to be able to, to be able to rest and enjoy uh, a week without having to prepare. And so, um, and, and just speaking of that, can, before I even go any further, can we just take a minute to um, give honor to our lead pastor, Pastor Mark and his wife, Reba, for all that they do for their uh, faithfulness to the proclamation of, of the word of God to their continual heart to serve and lead. Here, can we, I mean, I don't hear any applause. But, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, he just, he just really, I'm just going to tell you, as a, as a staff, you know, it, uh, I can just be candid with you. I am blessed. We are blessed to be able to serve underneath his leadership. Period. Just that he, yeah, he's, he's you know, He's not perfect. You know, we all know that. Pastor Mark, I love you. But he, man, I tell you what, he's, he is loyal and he is faithful to, to, uh, to God, first of all, to his wife, and then to, to us, his church. And so, um, so yeah, I just, I can't, I can't go any further um, without doing that. Um, so we're going to start off by reading Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 10 through uh, 17. That's kind of where we're at. And so as you kind of flip into it, um, I want us to kind of read it together as a congregation. We're going to read it together out loud if you, f- if you feel comfortable. You know, if you just need some more coffee and time to w- wake up, it's all good. Um, but, uh, but Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, up on the screen there. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Okay, okay, that's good. But against the rulers, against the authorities, right? Against the powers of this dark world. Therefore... Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith to which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the enemy, that you put on the helmet of salvation, and just take a hold of the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Let us pray. Father, I pray that the eyes of our hearts would be opened this morning, that you'd enlighten us in order that we may know the hope to which you have called us to, the riches of your glorious inheritance in your holy people and your incomparably great power, which is that same power, that mighty strength which you, that you demonstrated by raising Jesus Christ from the dead and that you had um, seated him above all uh, heavenly powers and authorities and power and dominion and every name that is invoked both in this age and in the age to come. And you, Father, place all things under your son's feet, appointing him head over everything for the church, which is the body, the fullness 
thereof. And that's the name in which we pray this morning. And all God's people said, amen. Now, I've got a question for you guys because I've been very anxious to ask you about it. This question, are you ready to fight? Okay, okay, I got a few. Are you ready to fight? Turn to somebody next to you. James, you didn't take it away from me. Turn to somebody next to you, tap the shoulder and say, I know it's early, but I'm ready to fight. Go ahead and do it. Don't be scared. I know it's early, but I'm ready to fight. I, I, I ain't scared. Now, so, some of you guys are questioning this morning, like, man, uh, what did I get myself into this morning? I know I should have slept in. Something's going, something's happening here. I know I should have slept in this morning. And if you're a first time, first time guest with us, let me just, just kind of ease your, you know, your concerns. You know, you're like, what kind of church is this, man? I'm telling you, it's a biblical one. It's a biblical one. Okay, it's a biblical one, and so it's all good. We've been in this series for about four weeks now, um, and the series called The Fight. And it's based on this passage we just read in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 10 through 17 and 18, a little further. And uh, a little background of the book of Ephesians, uh, it's more of a letter. It's a, it's a bit, you know, book, if you say a book, but it's more of a letter, and it was written by the Apostle Paul in jail. And ironically, it's a letter that is of great encouragement despite of Paul's current situation, his circumstances. And so his purpose for writing this book was, was simple. He wanted to strengthen and encourage the body of Christ. It wasn't just an Ephesus, but it was also a letter that was meant to be spread around in the whole, in the whole area. And he wanted to strengthen them in their faith in Christ. He does this by explaining the very nature and purpose of the church, the body of Christ. He, he, he also is packed full of scripture that is um, loudly proclaiming and talking about our identity in Christ Jesus. And I tell you, if you ever want to be encouraged, just go through the book of Ephesians and, and just read about your identity in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. A few of them, stuff like Ephesians 1 where it says... Um, we are holy and blameless in Christ. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's work of art. Ephesians 3.12, which tells us that we are in, if we are in Christ, we can come with confidence, create freedom before God Almighty. Amen. We have these powerful truths that, 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 that just breathe confidence in our identity in Christ. And, and so as you go through the book of Ephesians, man, you can study and you, and you just go through chapters 1 through 5, and, uh, and, and, and it's good. You know, it, it breaks down um, a lot of um, just questions. We have practical questions about what it looks like to be, you know, a husband, uh, a wife, you know, our roles in, in, in the household, and uh, children's and parents, and, 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 and those employees and employers, and and Pastor Mark did a phenomenal job of, of really um, connecting this, this word to the, to the truth that it's that is based in relationships, right? That it's based in relationships, and, and, and that's where it's really fleshed out, right? The, the, the context of, of this passage is fleshed out in relationships. And so we go through, you keep going through chapters 1 through 5, and, and, and just when you think that it's about to be done... Paul drops something on us. It's, it's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. He drops something. He says, finally. <laughs> and if you read it, if you're reading through, just reading through the book, and you get to that point, it kind of just it, it stops you, right? Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody? They've been talking a lot, and all of a sudden they're like, and although, um, or, and therefore, you know, I just, uh, or, you know, finally, you know, they're in this cover, and you're like, okay, something, you're, you're going to say something, else. like, is this all leading up to this, or what? Like, what, were you, what are you trying to say? And so this is what kind of gives us pause if, you, if you're reading Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord 
and in his mighty power. And all of a sudden, the tone of this passage really just kind of shifts. It shifts. All of a sudden, he's now talking about putting on armor and and, and, and fighting forces of, of evil. He, he's talking about taking your stand and, 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 and all this. And, and it's like, wait, what is happening here? What are you, what, what, what are you talking about? And, 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 and you don't have to have a PhD in theology to know what Paul is kind of insinuating with, with this militant language. It's like he's, he's telling us, yeah, yeah. The purpose of the church and your identity and, 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 and we're supposed to be one body and one faith and one baptism and there's all this good stuff. And, and then he's kind of, kind of saying like, um, get ready for a fight. Am I, am I, we, wait, he, says, get, he says, get ready for a fight. Now, I'm no stranger to, to, to fighting. Um, <laughs> I uh, Growing up, uh, my brother and I used to wrestle sometimes. We used to, you know, we used to get into some, some, some battles sometimes. We've got some younger siblings or some siblings that you used to kind of, you know, wrestle around a little bit. And, you know, like, okay. Um, I, I have to admit this. Um, uh, Sarah's right there. She's like, you better tell the truth, Matthew. I was like, okay, all right, all right. So uh, during a family reunion, um, <laughs> it was not too long ago. My brother, I haven't seen him in a while. Nathan, if you're watching this, I love you. I love you. Um, but I took you down, boy. I took you down. I'm telling you, I took it down. And, and I mean, I just, I just worked it a little bit. You know, and you know what it is? Because growing up, my, my brother, he just tortured me, man. He was bigger. He was three and a half years older than me. You know, he used to just get me in the headlocks. He used to get me to the ground. He used to pin me. And I, I, he tell me, I'm like, man, I, I remember as a kid, how many of you guys said this when, as a younger sibling? You said, when I get older, I'm going to beat you up. When I get bigger, I'm going to beat you up. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Well, um, Nathan, I'm just saying, I'm saying, if you watch this, it just it happened. It, it just it just happened. Um, it wasn't actually like fist fighting or anything that we were wrestling. It was it was love. It was good. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's some scratches. I'm just gonna say there's some scratches. Uh, not on my end, but on on his end. So so anyway, so 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 we kind of we 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 all know what it's like to to fight to kind of wrestle with people right we all know what it's like to to be in you know you have somebody right there in front of you you can wrestle you can see their moves you know you got you're about to my brother okay i'm not gonna go okay i need to calm down matthew don't talk about your brother anymore because he's just gonna get you know really sad okay but um but we know what it's like to wrestle with 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 flesh and blood But when it comes to wrestling with unseen spiritual forces, some of us are like, say what? Right? Am I the only one? It's like, say what, Paul? Wrestle, we don't wrestle not against flesh and, and, and blood, but against rules and authorities and principalities and forces of evil. And, and it's like, wait, 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 wait. What, what's going on here? You see, this type of fight that Paul is saying is he's dealing here in Ephesians 6 is it's talking about a, not a physical enemy, but a spiritual one. And that makes a lot of us uncomfortable. Let's just call a spade a spade. It makes some of us uncomfortable, especially in American Christianity, right? Talking about the supernatural stuff. You know, a lot of us can be just really jaded because we've, we've kind of developed these mindsets and these theological ideas because of some pop culture movies and shows and, and things of that nature that, that really, you know, uh, and I'm just going to outdate myself, but who's seen the Blair Witch Project? I'm, I'm, I'm not endorsing this, but this was back in the day. I'm just going to, that movie, can I just say, they walked around the woods with a camera that looked like it was from the Dollar Tree. And I'm, I'm talking about, they, they're walking around, and, you know, branches would snap. They're like, ah, ah, ah. It's like, and they made millions of dollars. But I'm looking at it, I'm like, man. So, I, so you look at it like, man, of course, this is supernatural. Yeah, okay, cool. And that's, that's some people. And then for some other people, it's like, yeah, there's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And they're all scary, like, you know. You're at the movies, and you're trying to hand them popcorn. Like, oh, gosh. Oh. You're like, just chill out, bro. We're just at the movies. Like, but, you know, there's, there's, there's those type of people. And then, and then, 
And then there's the, those that, you know, think that the devil is in everything, right? Like, I tell you what, brother, I was, uh, I was at the vending machine the other night, man, and I was trying to get me a honey bun. And uh, you know what? As, as he was coming down midstream, well, you wouldn't believe it. The devil caught that sucker right in midstream. And I tell you what. Whew, started rebuking that thing in the name of Jesus. And I said, I need my honey bun, Lord. I need it. I'm a fight. No. And I joke, I joke, but here's, here's the deal. It's pretty serious that a lot of us have that mindset and we're getting, we're letting the, the, our theological viewpoints um, to be shaped by pop culture rather than being led by the scriptures, by the word of God. What did Jesus say about it, right? For followers of Christ, what did Jesus say? He said a lot. He said a lot. So, man, I, we wrestle, struggle against, not, not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and powers and this dark and world and against spiritual forces of evil and, and, our, and, our, and, our, and our struggle. Everyone just say, the struggle is real. Just say the struggle is real. Just say the struggle is real. It is real. Now, some of you might be thinking, you know, I hear all this talk about fighting. You're like, no, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Pastor, I know that's like, but I just, I just love. I just love. I'm not, a, I'm not a fighter. I just am a lover. I'm not a fighter. Okay. All right. I just don't like to fight. You know, I just, I just don't like to fight. And, you know, that sounds all cute and all, and it can be something that we can kind of throw out there. But it's, but it's, I'm not talking about going up and, and, you know, beating up your neighbor because their dog pooped on your, their lawn. You know, I'm not talking about you starting a fight with your boss because he talked down to you. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I, I'm not talking about whether or not you're a pacifist or you believe in just wars. I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about as the church, we're called to fight the good fight. And I just want to address this, this misconception real quick as a church. I, I have to talk about it. I've seen and I've felt before. And it's just one that I believe that we, that we, um, that we it's going to help us understand this passage too. And this piece of armor, and it's just this idea that Christians, we are supposed to be these spiritual pushovers. Passive. Because after all, God's fighting for me. God's fighting for me. Yeah, he is. He is. He's fighting. He's, he's fighting for us. Some believe Christianity is just a passive religion that advocates sitting around and waiting to, for God to act. Maybe we've asked that question ourselves. If God, is, if God is fighting for me, really, and I know he is, but so why do I need a fight? I mean, I, and sometimes I don't even see him fighting for me. I don't feel like he's fighting for me. And we've, we, we read these bumper sticker passages and just kind of throw it out there out of context. It's like, the Lord will fight, will fight for you, and, and you have only to be silent. You've heard that before? From Deuteronomy one thirty. Oh, that was Exodus 14, 14. Deuteronomy 1, 30 says, The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And you see it, and he's like, see, look, look, it's right there. He's fighting for me. He's fighting for me. And he does, but I, I think we're missing the context here of these passages. And now I'm not trying to undermine the foundational theological principles to our faith. Like, I, I'm just saying maybe as a church we veered from the truth of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. Because it can sound really spiritual when we say things like, I'm just waiting on God. I'm just waiting on God. You go ahead, sweet girl, you just wait on God. You just wait on God. And I don't have to be sensitive here because I know it's in God's hands. And we, we do. I, I, we believe that that is truth. That is the word. Um, but it's not all good when he's already given us direction and he's given us a word for something. And, and, and then we're just not doing it. It kind of goes from being really spiritual to being just disobedient. 
And I know that can be a tough word for us because, I, trust me, I, I've been there. Just the other day, well, just yesterday, I was telling Sarah, like, man, I feel like I missed it when I was sharing with this guy. I really felt like, you know, I was sharing the gospel with this, with this guy, and, and I just felt like the Lord was trying to tell me that I needed to take my time with him, but I was kind of in a rush. And I'm like, golly, I, I knew he was speaking, but just, and, and, and so let me just give you an example of, of this. Deuteronomy 130, like we just read, says, the Lord your God goes before you. He goes before you, will himself fight for you, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And it's, a, it's something we can quickly say, but as we, as we do here in hope, and what we say here at hope is that context is everything, right? Context is everything. And, and, and so if we're reading the context here, this is Moses retelling the story of the spy mission in, for the Israelites that they're about to go into the promised land. We, got, we know the, that account, right? God's calling the Israelites to move into the promised land. He said, I've got this place for you. I've got this, this pit where, where I just want you to be, where you can be at, where there's, there's milk flowing with honey and all that. And, well, it's, it's good. And I've called you to something. And he's called them to, to fight the Canaanites for what was, you know, what was about to happen to them. But, but, but then, then what did they do? Y'all know what happened. They failed to step in the fight. Right? They ended up doing what? Wandering around for how many years? 40 years. God had given them a command to go. He said, look, go and fight. I'm going to be with you. And they're like, um, hmm, some giants. There's giants. And I'm not going to believe because, hmm, okay, we'll get, we'll get there. We'll get there. But. They failed to, it was disobedience. Just another example of why passivity is not uh, biblical, and we're, we're, we're tracking here. So listen, 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, by the grace of God, this is Paul's own testimony. By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God in me, with me. He labored more than all of them. This isn't passivity that Paul's talking about. But look at the conviction underneath it. He says, nevertheless, it was not I but the grace of God with me. So what are you saying here, Pastor Matt? What, 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 are, you, what are you kind of boiling down to? And here's the bottom line as we kind of move forward, and it's this. Because God is faithful, you and I are called to an active faith. And an active faith is a fighting faith. Let me say that because God is faithful, you and I, the church, have been called to an active faith. And an active faith is also a fighting faith. So this isn't about fighting faith, about you know, trying to earn our way to salvation or trying to earn God's love. This isn't, a, this isn't about that. No, we learned that, that in, the, in the passage um, about the breastplate of righteousness and, and that we've been, as born-again believers, we've been justified by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. No, this is about fighting to stay the course. This is about knowing the calling upon our lives. This is, this is about um, living lives on mission. This, this is about um, uh, fighting for the lost who need to hear the hope of Christ. It's about standing our ground when it feels like all hell has broken loose in our lives. We're called to a fight. I'm talking about when Paul charged his apprentice Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 12. And after warning him about the, the temptations about falling into divisive arguments and, and the temptation of falling into false doctrine that tickled the ears and developing a love for money, he says, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness. Godliness, faith, love, endurance, and in gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We're called to fight, y'all. We're called to fight. Maybe we become really good at fleeing from stuff but, and, and not so good of a job of pursuing Because it's hard work. 
Paul labored. I love this quote by Pastor Mark. Uh, Pastor Mark. <laughs> I could quote him. <laughs> I say it a lot, but Pastor uh, Craig Rochelle, he says this. He says, whenever you do something that matters, there will be a battle. You will always face opposition. I tell myself all the time, if I'm not ready to face opposition for my obedience to God, I'm not ready to be used by God. When I heard that, I was like, dang, bro, chill out, man. <laughs> but it was true, and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's right. Is there going to be pain? Is there going to be times that we fall? Yes, without, without question. But it's worth it. Why? Get this. Because praise God, we aren't fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. Amen? Our Redeemer lives. He's the finished work on the cross. He loves us right where we are. He's given us his spirit. He's continuing to, to walk with us. He has not forgotten us. He's not forsaken us. Come on. We're not fighting for it. We're fighting from victory. And that's a whole different look. And God calls us into battle each day as his followers, and he has given us his armor to take our stand when the opposition comes. And so this is the, where we come to the next piece of armor that we're going to discuss today, which begins to set itself apart from the armor that we've discussed thus far in this fight series, and it's found in verse 16. Paul says, so in addition to all of this, take up your shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy. So far, the pieces of armor that we've looked at have been items that soldiers would wear on their body, starting with the belt of truth, then the breastplate of righteousness, then our feet fitted the gospel of peace. And, um, and I know that we see, I know we see here in verse 16, that he says to take up our shield of faith. Now, hey, Bob. Bob's got a, like a, a little rinky-dink shield over here. Um, it, it doesn't really cover his, his body. And, 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 and so, Bob, I'm sorry, but it's not going to cut it, bro. That your shield is not going to cut it, bro. <laughs> because you know what? Paul was referring to a shield that, was, that looks a little more like this. I think we've got like, a picture of it on the screen. This shield that Paul was referring to um, it, it, it's called the, it's, from, it's a Roman shield, and uh, if I can pronounce it right, scutum, it's a scutum, um, and, uh, and this shield was a large shield, it wasn't rinky-dink, it, it was, it was covered, it covered the whole person, the size of the shield, I can't really tell from there, but it was two and a half feet wide and four feet tall, the scutum was an impressive line of defense, because of its sheer size, soldiers were afforded a great deal of protection from their enemies. It was a, had a curved um, design, to a rectangular design, or an oval uh, shape to it. Um, it, made, it was made of two sheets of wood glued together, um, and, uh, and, and that it had um, canvas come over it. It had some metal boss around it, and it was this vertical sheet, and it was, it was perfect. Why? Because it, it had a slight, a slight curve to it. It could deflect the, the um, attacks of the enemy. And so the force of the enemy as it's coming against you would kind of, he could kind of use the shield to let it glide off and it wouldn't fully attack the soldier. And, and, and so um, it, was, it was really good for a broadsword coming at her or if there was some uh, missile projections coming at it. And, and so it's a, such a powerful piece of armor, especially when you say, um, especially when we see, and, and not right now, but a little bit later on, how the Roman armies used it in formation. But more on that later. So it was a kind of shield that which Paul uses as a metaphor to, um, uh, to, to kind of explain or give an image to the type of faith with which we're going to use to extinguish the flaming arrows of the enemy. He was most likely drawing this imagery as he's um, t uh, chained to a Roman guard in prison. And, and, and so he's, he's talking about being a shield of faith. But why is it the shield of faith? Why isn't it the belt of faith? Now, if you look at the biblical definition of faith, found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of the things that we do not yet see. And we know that the shield is, is a defensive piece of armor, 
and one of protection. So I began to think about the passages where um, somebody would exhibit faith and that they would have confidence and protection um, from, from, from God. Passages like in Exodus chapter 11 where the Israelites, by faith, they applied the blood on the doorpost, didn't they? And what happened? The death angel passed over them. There's protection there, right? And then also like da- Daniel, my dog Daniel, he's, I love Daniel. Who likes Daniel in here? I love Daniel, who by faith, he, resi- he, re- he resisted the temptation to stop praying because of the king's um, edict there. And, and, and so um, he knew that, the, that there was going to be consequences that, that could be if he got found out. And so he got thrown into a what? Lions then, and I love that verse that he says after he spent a night with lions. It says, but a wound was not found on him because he trusted God. And so it's this trust and growth of confidence in the gospel that our shields begin to harden and fortify. And so he calls all believers to take up the shield of faith. What does that mean to take up the shield of faith? And so studying this passage some more, and, and we see the genitive is best understood that as one of opposition meaning that faith itself is the shield. Faith has appeared as a, at key points throughout Ephesians and 1.13, 2.8, and particularly as a means of acquiring divine strength. You see in, in, in Ephesians 1.19, Although it is possible to interpret faith as being um, uh, God or, or God's faithfulness, one commentary writes this, he says, it is preferable to understand it of believers laying hold of God's resources, especially his power in the midst of evil one's attacks. So to take up the shield of faith then is to take action. Which makes it sense as to why is the same word, the Greek word that is used in James chapter 2, where James does a beautiful job of marrying the two, faith and, and, and action. It says they, they work together. And, and so... And so, um, and, 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 and so um, he, he writes to take up the, the shield of faith. And can I just give a shout-out to Lisa and Mike for Faith in Action Puppet Ministry. I just got to shout-out to you guys. You guys are awesome. If you guys are interested in, in serving in, in that area, they're awesome. Faith in Action. Okay, just a little tidbit. But, but I wrote this down. Take up your shield of faith is to appropriate the promises of God from the gospel in everyday lives. Are we following here? Are we tracking? To take up the shield of faith is to appropriate God's promises from the gospel in our everyday lives. It's about having confidence that he will protect us in the midst of battle. Now, in the midst of battle is a key phrase. Many of us here this morning are in the midst of battle. Right? There's some of you, don't, don't be shy, there's some of y'all here that is in the midst of battle and, and, and you are just struggling, you, you want to live by faith, you want to be genuinely stepping out in faith. You hear the messages, you, you, even from this fight series, you know that God is stirring something in your heart and, and, and you don't want to, and you want to, you, you know, actually step out in faith. But every time you, you step out in faith, you step out in faith, it's like, uh, uh, I don't, you, you, you're trying to search for God. Oh, 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 no, no, oh, dang, oh, oh, where's my shield, dang, oh, now, I told the security team, don't be tackling anybody when we do this, that was, that was planned, okay, and, uh, but, no, here's the deal, man, um, don't you find it interesting that when we begin to step out in faith, we've got these darts flying at us, right? It's just these things just shooting at us, flying at us. Now, as a Roman soldier, they faced these darts flying at them, but they weren't Nerf darts. <laughs> no, these, these darts were, were real deal, holy field. They were flaming arrows of missiles coming from their opponents called plumbata. And, 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 and you see on the end of these darts that were coming at them were these metal tips, and they were coated in pitch, and they were lit on fire. <laughs> and then they were shot at them um, with great force from a catapult or, or what, whatever, and it would be extremely chaotic. Now, although these darts 
they didn't damage, you know, hit, directly hit. Their main objective was to distract, diverge, diversion, or chaos. If enough of these darts lodged successfully in their target, then they would um, be able to successfully keep their opponents from advancing against them. I, I, I mean, can you imagine just being in battle? Just, just, just picture for a second, being a Roman soldier, being in actual battle, people actually trying to kill you, your actual opponents, and they're shooting arrows at you, these huge things, they're flaming, and they're hitting all around you, and, and try to think about keeping your cool in the midst of that, your confidence in the midst of that, right? We may not be at war physically, but I tell you what, it sure feels like sometimes I got some flaming arrows shooting at me. Sometimes it just feels like I, it's just every time I step out of it, there's going to be something coming around me, some sort of distraction, some sort of diversion and it just hurts, especially if you don't got a shield. It's terrifying. But you've been so, I believe some of you guys, they love God generally, but want to live for him and walk by faith. But you have been so under attack that you've been become paralyzed and fearful from moving forward. Satan knows that even if, if the flaming arrows that he shoots sends your way and they don't maim you at all, that he's, uh, he can do it by distracting you and moving you away from moving forward in faith. As people living in a digital age, man, I tell you what, we're constantly being barraged with information and, and advertisements and, and things that, you know, I feel like sometimes the enemy is sitting back like, hey, man. I don't really have to do too much. They're already distracted in themselves. For many of us, it takes a, just a new episode on our favorite show on Netflix to appear, and our good intentions to go to bed early is just wiped away, right? Our good intentions to spend time with family and connect and communicate is like gone. Our intentions to be you know, beginning in the word of God continuously and having a habit of that or a daily habit of prayer, it, it can be what? Distracted, just like that. Just like that. Question, what is it that's distracting you? What's distracting you from stepping out in faith with the confidence that God's ability to see you through? Is it insecurity? Is it anxiety? Is it worries about the what-ifs in life? Is it your fear of failure? Is it hopelessness in a relationship in your life? The enemy wants to distract you from staying on mission from the commander-in-chief, y'all. He knows that, it's if, you, that if you're a born-again believer, you're, you know, you're, he can't destroy you, but he can distract you. He fully intends to sidetrack your attention by setting any number of internal blazes of fire in your life. What is it? Side note, we have to be asking for wisdom and then seeking wisdom, right? Because sometimes those distractions, they're not flaming arrows, but it's as uh, Solcon, this uh, wonderful ministry that I've been serving with my brother's uh, Go Solcon team, um, it's when you just, they just, he just puts a, a fork in your hand and says, go ahead and just feed your flesh. That'll distract you. Feed your flesh. Whatever it is. However, the flaming darts of the enemy has been manifesting themselves in your lives. I'm wondering if there's some folk in here who says they're ready to take a stand. That they're saying, not in my own strength am I going to take a stand, but in the mighty strength of the Lord God, my Savior. I wonder if there's some people in here that's ready to fight. I, 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 I'm wondering if somebody's ready to take up their shield of faith. And if I'm speaking to anyone here, let me, let me just tell you, your stand is not going to come by mustering up in your own strength. It, but it's when you decide daily to live under the surrendered life of, of a follower of Christ. A daily surrender under the following of Christ. If you think you're just going to muscle up and you're going to, oh, I got this, oh, I got this against the enemy. The enemy is like, ha, pride, bye-bye. A little, 
just pull a little rug a little under here, and he's like, oh. No, I got this. I can do this. I'm smart. I'm smart. I got, I got all this. I got all these skills. I'm strategy. I'm a, I'm a brilliant thinker. I'm this engineer. I've got everything in a row. I know how to figure it out. And the enemy's like, ha, ha, ha. Guess who's the master strategist over here? Try to play me. He's been doing this for, I don't know, thousands of years. Don't underestimate enemy schemes. But it's when we decide to surrender our lives to Christ. This is my part. I like this. When we, be, we begin to say, you know what? The God that I serve is far above all rulers and authorities and powers and names that are invoked, that he sit at the right hand of God, that there is nothing and no way space of time that could ever come close to the power that is exerted to the Lord God Almighty who raised Christ from the dead. Can I just get a witness in here who says, this God that I serve is much bigger? Thank you. I want to know if you guys are awake. It's okay to, to, to say, yes, Lord, I know that something's stirring in my heart. It's a move in your body, action. Hey, ho, Lord, thank you. The God I serve is bigger. The God I serve has more authority and power in his little pinky than the enemy does. Yeah, don't underestimate the enemy, but don't you dare shortchange the God that you serve. Don't do it. Because it's in his mighty strength. The enemy wants you to just shrink the God that you serve. He wants you to just shrink him. I tell you what, I don't even want to begin to tell you just going into Walmart and being impatient, the flying arrows are going in there. I, I tell you, just being discouraged, and I, I'm like, I had to preach to myself going through here. I'm like, God, 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 you're bigger than this. I know your patience is good. You know, I'm just like preaching to myself because we go through stuff, our daily stuff, through the monotony of life, y'all. Monotony of life. He's, 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 we're, we're, we have a spiritual enemy who's against us, and I believe that God longs for the church's eyes to open and be ready to act on his promises. Oh, but, but, but Pastor, I'm so weak in the faith, I, and I look at others with such grace. Hey, can you just turn your eyes away from them? Can you just turn your eyes to him? Because I think as Jesus says, if you have a, a, a faith that's the size of a mustard seed, he's like, that's good enough. Here we go. A, a mustard seed, the tiniest seed. Can I just get some faces up here? Let me just speak. The, a mustard seed. Mustard seed. He says, just exercise that, and I got you. And it's in, and this, I was talking with my mom the other day, and I was, I, I said this line, I was like, ooh, I think I'm going to use that. <laughs> it says, it's those tiny baby steps made in faith that God applauds, that he loves. Because without faith, we can't, please don't please God. He wants us to trust him. He wants to be fully confident in the promises that he had through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he wants you and I to be victorious in our lives. He doesn't want us to be pummeled over and over and over again by the same old attacks of the enemy, by the same old thought life, by the same old habits, by the same old distractions. He doesn't want us to be so caught up in all that. God, you're all, you guys, we're, 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 as a church... We're under attack. But God is faithful. He's faithful and true. Lives, we walk, walk by faith. We don't have to wait to come to an altar in the four walls of this building, but we can begin to build an altar on our hearts and we can be bow before the King of Kings daily, moment by moment. And it's then that we start to become strong in his mighty power. But we'll never do it. We will never do it. We never walk in that power without the active faith, without a fighting faith. Faith without works is useless, for just as the body is without, the spirit is dead, just 
So also faith without works is dead. That's what James says. And Paul says the forces of evil one are incredibly powerful. Don't let your devices, your own devices, your own thinking get in the way of this. Yes, God, yes, use your brain. Yes, use, use that. God is, but do it under the grace and power of Christ. When you do that, you certainly won't fail. But these flaming arrows cannot harm those who trust and have confidence in the Lord and in his mighty power. Yeah, it may distract us a little bit. It may hurt a little bit. It may get a little singed fingers or so. But it's not going to, um, it's not going to, de- to defeat us. Amen? I like what this Dr. Tony Evans says. Faith, in, faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. I think it's time that we stop talking about God's promises in, in, in his word and start as some like trite cliches in our lives, but then we start acting upon them like they're true. I, one of my favorites is Roman 8, 28. I use it all the time. It says, man, it, for, for it, it, all, we know in all things, God will work for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Love that one. Because that word all means what? It means all. Good, bad, ugly, beautiful. All things, he says, work together for your good, for those who love him. He says, it all works together. Because of that, it gives me confidence to say, all right, hey, I may fail a little bit, but I'm pursuing you, Jesus. Or hey, I may get a little attacked here and there, maybe some Lies of this stuff going flying by and trying to cause distraction. But you know what? All things work together for my good. All things. So in the moment when we first sense a flaming arrow infiltrating our lives in some way, we activate faith as a shield of protection over our lives. And I love what this uh, Priscilla Shirer, uh, if you guys don't know her, she's amazing. She has this um, series called uh, The Armor of God. And um, she says this, she says, don't miss the irony here. The enemy sends flaming arrows into our lives specifically when we are being called to walk in faith. He said those arrows are deliberately intended to disable you and I from doing the only thing that has the power to extinguish them, walking in faith. It's a demonic cyclical attack that the enemy is doing. And, and, and he doesn't want us to catch on to this devilish scheme, this secret, which, which says, um, um, that hopes that you just keep hidden as long as, 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 as you just don't step out in faith. Just don't keep on stepping out in faith. You can step out in faith maybe once, but don't keep stepping out in faith. I mean, don't like live by faith. You got your sight. It reminds me of a book. Screw tape letters. C.S. Lewis. Travis is smiling over here because we were talking about this the other day. How many of you guys know that book, Screw Tape Letters? C.S. Lewis. If you've never read it, you need to. Put that on your summer reading list. It's brilliant. It, 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 it's, a, it's a powerful insight into kind of the spiritual warfare that goes on, the strategies of the enemy. And, the no, and in this novel, it's about this devil named Screw Tape who's schooling his nephew, Wormwood, in how to subtly deceive their patients away from God. In, into Satan's hands. And so um, there's this one point in the book where the patient, um, the person begins to, um, who's being stalked by the, the devil, he starts to wisen up. He starts to wisen up to what's going on in his life. He, and, and, and he starts to even realize, oh yeah, there probably is like spiritual warfare going on. And, and, and so he starts exercising faith and all this. And, and so um, the nephew starts getting uh, 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 talking to by, by uncle. And he says this, screw tape, the uncle talking to his nephew's failure. He says, for as things are, your man has now discovered the dangerous truth that these attacks don't last forever. Consequently, you cannot use again what is, after all, our best weapon. The belief of ignorant humans that there is no hope of getting rid of us except by yielding. Did you get that? 
You see, Satan knows that if you'll ever push past the insecurity, the doubt, the fear that's burning in your soul, choosing instead to believe the truth of God and walk in accordance with it, being willing to sacrifice comfort at times, being willing to die to yourself and to pick up your cross daily and that to make that a habit of your life, he knows that he, he can't succeed. He knows that when we begin to continually walk by faith and not by sight and, and feeding our heart and our mind in, in Christ and, and put, taking hold of the truths that are in the gospel of Jesus Christ, he knows that if we really do that on an, a consistent basis, man, we begin to erect a shield that the flaming arrows cannot penetrate. Fire all you want. I know the God that I serve. and I know, I know that he works all things together for my good. And I'm going to keep on moving. I wonder if there's something that you want to fight in here. What is it that your God has asked you to do? How has he called you to act? What actions have you had, even uh, convictions, I mean, have you had, even over the course of these weeks in this series, has God been beckoning you forward in a particular area of your life? What has he been convicting and challenging you and I to do? Sometimes we just got to be still long enough to hear his voice and remind us that he's got something for us. That there's a mission, there's something going on that he wants to be obedient to. Can I just tell you, you're not alone. You're not alone. For those of you right now who are still thinking, man, that's cool and all, Matthew, but there's no way I can do this on my own. If that's any of you, I got some good news. You want to hear it? We're not meant to do it alone. We're not meant to do it alone. Remember I mentioned earlier this morning about how that shield has another strategic aspect to it? You guys remember? Just checking. You see, the Roman soldiers were advancing in battle. They would hold their shield up in front of them, of course, right? Don't want to get hit. But strategically, there was placed on these shields hooks on the sides which you could link together. And so side note, these, these scutums, these shields were built in such a way that it would not only cover a full person, but in a third of somebody else. And the reason being is so that when the flaming arrows came against this army, they would know to begin to form up, come together. Some would put their shields in the middle, uh, straight up on the head. Others would put them all around them. And it would look sort of like a what? turtle. Do you have a picture of this? They call it the turtle formation. And because the shields actually had a gap in between these layers, these flaming arrows could penetrate far enough into the shield, but not too far to where they just begin to extinguish that flaming fire. See, when the Roman armies joined as its shields together, it became an un, almost unstoppable force. And if we in God's church join our shields together, strengthen each other in our faith, building one another up and serving in the strength and the gifts that he has given us, I tell you what, there is not a devil in hell that's going to come against our families that will succeed. There's not a devil in it. We can accomplish greater things than you can ever imagine. The, 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 the crime rate in this city, the, the, the things in the, our, our families, our loved ones that are being beat up and, 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 and broken by the schemes of the enemy. I tell you what, when we form together, I tell you, I, I, I tell I had a fire in it because the Lord's saying, I start, to, I start to link up. Let's erect these shields. So finally, be strong in the Lord and remember because of his faithfulness, you and I can have an active faith. And that active faith is a good God Almighty. Did I do it? 
An act of faith is a fighting faith. Fighting faith. Everybody say, fighting faith. Now I want you to do this. Um, I want you guys to just kind of scoot in. You can get a little uncomfortable. It's all good. It's going to scoot into the person next to you. If you're on the wayside over here, wayside over here, I want you to just scoot on in. Scoot on in. I don't see a lot of y'all move. I only see some. I say, I'm, I'm, I, I ask politely. I, you just scoot on in. You know, somebody may be a little bit stinky. It's all good. We're, we're family. We got, hey, if you're a guest with us, welcome. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. And here's what I want you to do as an, a symbolic act of faith. I want you just to link arms with that person. It's a link arms of them. If you're not linked arms with somebody right now, I just ask you a question. Why not? Why not? Are you too cool for school? No, I got this. I got this on my own. I got this. I got this. I got this. Okay. Arrows flying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So as a symbolic act of faith as we're linking them together. Let us remember that we must fight this fight not alone, but together. But that this is a war that is not going to be won by us being our own islands. But it's about getting out of our comfortability zone, get to know one another and being willing to be vulnerable. And, and, and this is the battle of all our brothers and sisters, both near and far, not just here in Anderson, but in the world around us. The nations, because they too are doing the same thing. In some aspects as a nation, they're doing it better than us. And let's remember it's only once we put our faith in God and stand side by side, contending earnestly as one for our families, for those people in our spheres of influence, for our neighbors, for, for those who don't yet know Jesus or the hope that is in him. Let us link shields. Because it very well be your faith in action they may see someone who you thought was so far from God that could never see, they could never see the daylight come to know the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's not just about you and I in this moment. It's about us together. And if you believe that, give me a hearty amen. Let's pray as we begin to fight this battle together as one. Father, thank you so much for the fact that <clears throat> <laughs> the victory is yours. We only need to fight from that victory. That we only need just to, to act in a way that we believe that truth. God, I pray right now for those in this room that have been just so beat up right now, so attacked by, and they didn't even know it was the enemy. They thought it was just themselves or this thing's going on in, in their lives that they just feel so weak. They don't want to move forward in faith. I pray, God, that you would just absolutely overshadow them right now with your loving kindness and your mercy and your grace and your power as they begin to make a declaration, a confession of faith that I will trust you, Jesus. I will put action to my faith knowing that they're not alone. God, I come against every scheme plot of the enemy right now in the name of Jesus. I declare that, Lord, that you are greater, bigger, stronger, wiser, powerful than every scheme erected against us, that no weapon forged against us shall prosper for those who are walking in Christ Jesus, and I pray for those who don't know you yet, Jesus, that they would learn to know that at the foot of the cross there's mercy, at the foot of the cross there's grace, at the foot of the cross there's freedom, and at the foot of the cross they join a battle with brothers and sisters who are going to stand with them through the thick and the thin, and not just word but in deed, because that's the God we serve, that's the church that he's called us to be. By his will, he will accomplish it. Father, thank you for your glory and your mercy and your power and your strength. Continue to have your way here and among us. In Jesus' name.